Hey everyone, this is Lindy. Thanks for joining us for a Circuit Riders podcast. To know us, we're a YWAM missions movement from Huntington Beach, California, with a passion to save the lost, revive the safe, and train them all. Circuit Rider Sundays is a weekly live stream aimed to encourage, equip, and grow young leaders. You are listening to Circuit Rider Sunday's podcast. Hey guys, welcome to CR Sunday service. I'm here with Nick Brent and Emily, Hi. my wife, and Chloe, my <laughs> wife, and we are going to continue our conversation last that we started last week, but I actually want to comment, we did not plan to wear Matching stripes. shirts. We did not plan to do it, though. We did plan it. We've been planning it for a week. This is how much we love each other as brother-in-laws. I do love you. Thank you, bro. Um, but we are going to continue this conversation. We started last week on the empowerment of women. The Hallelujah Lassies in the Salvation Army and the courage that they carried and the courage courage that was embodied in their lifestyle. Now, circuit writers, God said to us a couple weeks ago that we were going to have the mantle, the responsibility of the Salvation Army drop upon us. And so we have to learn and we have to live the way these men and women live, specifically these Hallelujah Lassies. And I, I want to comment here. William Booth had this quote. Let me read it to you guys. This became really one of the mottos of the Salvation Army. It says, while women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While little children go hungry, I'll fight. While men go to prison in and out, in and out as they do now, I'll fight. While there is a poor lost girl upon the street, while there is a drunkard left, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. I'll fight to the very end. This is the grit, this is the empowerment, this is the courage of this quote that we want to talk about this week. And now, now Circuit Riders, it's really interesting. Last year, Nick really came up with a campaign for Carry the Love, and that campaign was... Unfinished um, Business. Unfinished Business. Thank you. I, I dropped it out of my mind for five seconds there. Unfinished Business. And, and really, it's amazing that th- this campaign actually was prophetic, we had unfinished business. We, we right now in this moment have unfinished business going into the next year because of COVID, because of this pandemic. And there's more, more than ever, we need this identity of fighting. Brian started out last year, our, our fall, for, for those that are watching that are not in the circuit rider movement, our, our fall is like the beginning of our year. And Brian started out in field training talking about jo- Joshua and that we as the circuit riders needed to be strong and very courageous. Come on. God told this to Joshua three times and circuit riders, God is going to pound this into us until we live this in a deeper way. It's not just about being more courageous to talk to one person on the street. Come on. It, it's, it's about something so much deeper and I, I want to read you the empowerment and the courage that William Booth required of these young Hallelujah lassies. Let me read this to you. I, I mentioned this last week. It's about a girl named Rose Clapham. She, I commented on her, but I want to read you the full story. In the early months of 1878, a young woman of 18 and her colleague arrived at the train station in Barnsley, Yorkshire, and embarked on a mission. She had been sent by William Booth to open a branch of the Salvation Army in a mining town. Here, work was tough when it was available, and people were familiar with the frequent changes of fortune that industrialization brings. The teenager, remember, she's 18 years old. The teenager was Rose Clapham, an uneducated factory worker from South London, whose task was to find her own congregation— persuade them into the largest building in the town, 
the local theater and to preach until they surrendered to Christ. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment. Imagine if Nick came to you, young circuit rider. Imagine if Brian came to you and said, I want you to go to Dallas, and by next year, I want you to fill American Airlines Arena Let's go. with as and many people as you possibly can and preach and keep them there until they all surrender. What would you say? Well, I mean, that, that would be a, an outstanding task to yeah. think to accomplish. But William Booth asked 18-year-old, uneducated factory women to go and do this task. Come on. This is the type of empowerment that the Salvation Army had. And here, here's the courage they carried out and, and the grit they had. This is what she reports. She writes about it in her journal when she goes, on the Monday, I went into the open air and my colleague, Jenny Smith, when they saw us, these two little things, us two little ladies standing there, hundreds of coal miners came around at once. After we had held our meetings, we walked off to the hall. The miners came after us and God touched their hearts. We have had nearly 700 decisions for Christ since we went there and we have 140 members now and they all can preach better than me. She was one of these fiery hallelujah lassies, 18 year old girls who's standing there in the open air. Okay, now, now you're sitting there, you're at a courthouse, you're in, front, you're in the downtown center, and all your assignment is is to preach until people gather around and then you take them into the stadium or the, or, or the theater or whatever it is. The, this was the assignment of these ladies, and this, this is the type of courage that they had to have. I mean, just imagine standing there in the open air in Barnsley as an 18-year-old girl in front of all these coal miners. Now, now George, we, we talk about George Whitfield and John Wesley. They started preaching the coal miners, but the difference was is that they were learned men who went to Oxford were in their mid-20s and 30s preaching. There, there was a lot. They had already preached a bunch. These women are just sent by William Booth. Go and do this. Guys, th those type of assignments are coming to the circuit riders. And these are the, th this level of courage that it would take to go into the open air, to go and go beyond just preaching to one person, go beyond just, just trying to reach a few people and hand out some food, but going into hospitals. Go, going and living in a new community, going somewhere and actually laboring to make an impact beyond just what you can see in the exact moment. Now, now, Nick, I know you had some thoughts on this, on the empowerment of women and the courage it carried. Why don't you take us into some of your thoughts? No, this is so good. And I think it's such an important conversation that needs to be had because I think part of why we're talking about the empowerment of women and why we have to keep talking about it is because we're in a unique time in history where we need everybody to be empowered. Mm -hmm. And it's not like this new fad, it's the very attitude of Jesus. And I, before we yeah. keep talking about like the power and the courage of a woman, uh, which is what we're gonna kind of end into, is I feel like something we have to talk about is the empowerment yeah. of women. Because I feel so many women as I, we work with a ton of women at Circuit Riders, yeah. over half of our staff is women, over half of our leaders are women. Uh, our preachers, half of our preachers are women. Over half of our worship leaders are women. So we work with lots of women everywhere. Yes. Some of our best organizers, evangelists in universities, in high schools are women. And part of it is, is though talking to so many of them, they have this distinct sense of, am I empowered? It's like before totally. they can even do the courageous thing, is like, do I even have permission? I want to yes. read this passage of scripture. It's Acts 2. And uh, Peter is standing up to preach, and he's quoting Joel from Joel 2. 
And he says this, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. This is Peter talking. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I think it's so important that we recognize that at the very beginning, the birthplace of the church, the Holy Spirit brings to mind to Peter, Joel 2, which is this distinct pronouncement that the Holy Spirit, after obviously Pentecost, is now going to fill both men and women to prophesy for the proclamation of the gospel. And I think it's like, it's such a bummer that we even have to do a series on this because women feel so silent when Jesus, his whole culture is empowering so many women and unlikely women. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. Dad mentions it last week. Right, the f- the first woman to even see the resurrection is Mary, and she's proclaiming it to all disciples. So, it's such a key part, and I think why we want to have this conversation is because we will miss the fullness of what God wants in this time of our history mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. for our generations. It's fine if other generations yeah. want to argue, but for my generation, we will miss what God wants to do in circuit riders. We will miss what God wants to do in this new missions movement that I believe we're seeing go across. Uh, this harvest, this global harvest of young people that we're all believing for, we will miss it if it's just men. Yes. And I love men. Yeah. I am a man. I love empowering men. I love yeah. strong men. <laughs> But if we don't have women yeah. a part of the equation, mm-hmm. we're going to be completely miss out. Yeah, and, and I think that's important for all the men watching on how, how important this is, not just for us in our immediate context, but what about when you have daughters? Yeah. What, what about for future generations? What it's do you true. want your daughter? Do you, do you, Nick's going to talk about Evangeline Booth in, in just a moment here, but just the amount of empowerment we see from the Salvation Army, from the fathers, yes. and how we as men and in, in, in circuit riders need to be just empowering to our sisters and those outside of our immediate context, but as well your future daughters, I think this is such an important conversation. Oh, and, and I think that that's so good. And I, I want to transition to Emily, but it's so true that it's not just good enough that we're like, oh, yay, women as men. Like, go do your thing and we'll do our thing. It's that as men, we got to be like William Booth. We have to be like Jesus. We have to do what the Holy Spirit's doing and champion women. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not just it's not just like here's a token stage time and and here's this, but it's a real recognition real recognition of not only equal value mm-hmm. but an equal ability to be effective. And in a lot of scenarios, they're going to be more effective. Yes, that's my personal experience. And there's so many different things we get in the Bible. But I want to talk, to, ask you a question, Emily. Obviously, we're married. Shout out, <laughs> marriage. Um, and we know each other obviously, and I know your whole story. But what's so interesting about your story when you share it with me is when you're really young, you were really activated. Like you were starting a missionary society at like six years old. (laughs) You took over your kid's church. You kind of, you know, the adults were in there, but you started running the show and you already were like doing missions calls at like six and seven years old. So you were definitely like outspoken. And then you got older and then you kind of started feeling this sense of silence and this real question as you kind of grew up more and more around the church am I really empowered to be an evangelist? Am I really empowered to be a missionary? Talk a little bit about that because I feel so many people can relate to that story. Totally. Thanks. 
Um, yeah, so I got marked as a like to be a missionary. Felt that missional call. Some missionaries came to my church who were sharing their testimonies. And I was maybe five, six years old, and I walked out into the lobby and saw them with all their posters and go, I want to do this for the rest of my life. But, of course, I was, you know, cool. little little, uh, little first grader. But it was awesome. My parents were, my wife. were planning churches, and so I was able to do, like, little kids' church, and I had a missionary club and all that stuff. But as Nick was pointing out, as I got older, and I think the my experiences around Christian communities, around, you know, different leadership structures and things like that from, and it wasn't anything that someone directly told me, but it was my own observation was I saw a lot of women in, you know, hospitality roles and servant roles. And I, I think I, I, when I look at like, you know, the, the, I grew up reading missionary stories where these women were the bravest of the brave going in to pioneer the frontiers of missions. And I was, I felt so empowered reading those stories where they were seeing miracles. They were, they were in such dangerous environments. They were seeing um, and God, you know, rescuing them. They were, you know, missionaries in China and these different nations, uh, you know, with orphanages. And suddenly, you know, they have no food, no provision. And suddenly they're seeing, you know, do- uh, bags of food on their doorstep after praying all night for provision. Just really radical miracles. And that was what I grew up in. But as I got older, it was like I didn't, I didn't see that as much women operating in those types of things. And I saw yeah. primarily men. And to be totally honest, I think I really wrestled with, you know, me as a woman, I, um, I think I would always, I, and I, I, I dealt with this for a number of years, it, wrestling with, you know, am I really empowered to do these big things that I'm dreaming of when I, I, had, I had this sense in my heart, like, I want to do the things I've been reading about. And all the, to be honest, in my environment was a lot of men that were like, you know, leading out in these amazing anointings, amazing projects, amazing, like, faith, but then the women were more of in a supportive role. And to be honest, I wrestled like, God, will you validate me if I step out as a woman? Wow. Will anybody follow me? That's so big right there. Am I going to be, like, what will be my, and I was. Yeah, is bit, God going to be with you? Yeah. Like he's going to be with fill in the blank guy. If you step out as a missionary and evangelist. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrestled through it because I didn't see a lot of examples um, of women in my sphere, you know, obviously reading about in history, but then in my day to day. And then you read Esther. And then I read Esther, yes. And I, and I honestly read Catherine Booth was one of the folks, first books I read after I graduated high school. And learning about the Hallelujah Lassies, it, be, um, it began to honestly give me such a baptism of courage because I realized, oh my word, what the big dreams I'm dreaming of, God's already used not only one woman, he's not only validated one woman like a Catherine Booth, but thousands of women that were Hallelujah Lassies that were part of the Salvation Army that they actually were used to like, change history rescuing so many people seeing such societal change and so honestly when I started learning about you know the very stories we're talking about was really that um that fear and that that being paralyzed in that feeling silence began to really break off me yeah because you told me that you were reading the book of Esther and there's that classic scene where Mordecai is talking to Esther and he's like you got to go in and talk to the king yes and and if you don't do it you know, horrible things are going to happen. Genocide is going to happen to the, to all the Jewish people. And if you don't do it, God will have to raise somebody up. Yes. And when you were sharing with me, it was kind of this switch happened where it was like, not only do I feel permission, but I'm seeing actually that there's instances in scripture where if the woman didn't step out, that not only are like a good addition to the team, but if they're so needed, horrible things are going to happen. Absolutely. I think it was the revelation for me that God not only wants to use me, but he needs to use me and that he's given me an opportunity as a woman 
to respond and to take a step of courage. And um, it was, you know, I, I love reading the story of Esther. I know a, a lot of us Esthers are hero. You know, she goes before the king, saves her entire nation. It's like such an amazing woman. But I think the part that that really, that, um, that brought me to this point of breakthrough was where Mordecai, like you're mentioning, goes, hey, this is like a live or die moment and God wants to use you. He's put you for such a time as this in this particular scenario with this, this level, this opportunity. But if you don't, there's going to be a massive consequence and God's going to have to use someone else to do the very thing he's asking you to do, what yeah. you were born to do. And for me, that was the breaking point for me where I go, okay, I don't want to, I don't want God to have to ask me a million times to, to step out and take courage. Wow. I want to take courage. I don't want God, I don't want to be on the sideline. I want to be in the mix. I want to do, I want to live out the very dreams I read about as a kid. I want to be a part of a solution. Yeah, it's not just permission. It's not just an invitation. It's like God is saying, no, it's your time. It's your time. And if you don't step into it, we're gonna miss. We're gonna I'm miss. I'm gonna have to raise moment. somebody up. We're gonna have to do something to try to do what you were supposed to be doing. Exactly. I I think it's so key, and it's you know it's like what you said, Derek, and what we're talking about is like these stories are crazy. Like these aren't just like yeah. kudos for the women. I mean, these are things that I don't even know as a man I can, I how can, I could do these. Some I of these things that they're doing. I can't imagine preaching until 700 men respond. I mean, that's never happened to me. And this, right. They're <laughs> happening to them at 18 years old. Right. Right. And I, so, okay, this, this story blew my mind. It's, it's William Booth is talking about appointing his daughter. He says, William Booth appointed in 1904 as commander of his army in the States, so in America, his 39-year-old daughter, Evangeline Booth, who would hold that position for 30 years. She was unmarried, charismatic, and highly talented. She was described by historian Ed, Ed McKinley as a phenomenon of historic proportions. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Not bad. She had an innate ability to creatively respond to the crisis of the moment, whether to those stranded in Alaska during the 1898 gold strike, to the victims of the 1906 San Francisco earthquake, or most prominently to the doughboys in the trenches of World War I, which I'll get into that in a second. She also had the ability to move into elite circles, garnering both a high profile and substantial support that pushed the army to great advances. Praise God. We know we all need some extra money to keep doing what we got to do. When she had arrived in New York, Army property was valued at $1.5 million when she left. And guys, this is in 1906, right? Like the early 1900s. Yeah. When she left, that figure had risen to $48 million in property and then a capital count of $35 million more for ministry. This woman is beyond the leader that I would even hope to be personally. Absolutely. If I could raise $5, it'd be exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on raising money for us to fully do this, right? We all are, right? And, okay, and then she was interested. Look, look at this. In the midst of World War I, Evangeline Booth sent, so here she had again, sent 250 Salvation Army volunteers overseas to support the U.S. soldiers fighting in France. So she's having one of our classic missionary meetings. How do we reach this certain people? We have these kind of creative outreach meetings all the time. Mm -hmm. How are we going to successfully reach these people? Yeah. There they set up, this is, what, this is what their idea was. There they set up small huts located near the front lines to give soldiers clothes, supplies, and baked goods. Well, number one, World War I front lines are horrifyingly dangerous yeah. mm -hmm. and have horrifying conditions. But they're cruising out there with supplies, clothes, and baked goods. The donut lassies, this is what they call themselves, began frying donuts in the soldiers' helmets the tasty treats boosted morale and won the hearts of the soldiers. In addition to serving fresh fried pastries, don't last to provide spiritual aid and comfort, and they prayed for and ministered to soldiers to great effect. They were a link home to uh, like a link of home to family and friends, and their work on the front lines was rekindled later during World War II. 
So here we have these crazy, this is what happens when women have what happened to Emily, the yes. moment of empowerment mm -hmm. and that I'm needed. And we know that God, you know, he's God, doesn't need necessarily any of us. But at the same time, you really have to wonder, you go, there is a real need. Mm -hmm. Like if Moses said no to going and obeying Jesus, the burning bush, I'm sure God could have done something else. But would have that led to more delay? Would it happen as fast? Would it have been as good? Right. I don't know all that. It's right. like these are the interesting things I'll let some deep theologian figure it out or attempt to figure out. But when people feel that, this is the kind of courage that starts happening. And I think it's like right now, I feel like in all our cultures, for both men and women, is like, I feel like as a circuit riders, God is calling us not just to be like talkers. Yes. And be pumped. This is good. But these were women who had no plan, mm -hmm. barely any training. And they had a vision in their heart and they said, you know what? I'm just gonna go for it. Yep. It's true. And I'm going to go for it with the grit until we are effective. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can't imagine showing up to New York and going, I'm going to find a, a theater. I'm going to preach outside in the sidewalk until people start listening to me and until I can get them to come in, and I'm going to keep preaching. I feel like our generation, I feel like me, I even get disillusioned after not being effective for three months. Yeah. But these ladies had so much faith, they mm -hmm. just freaking went for it. And they went and went and went and went until they had breakthrough started multiplying like crazy, discipling so many others, and became one of the most effective salvation evangelist clans, yeah. families, that history's ever known. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, I think to your point about being a doer instead of a talker, th this is the big thing in our generation, is we do have a lot of talking. We do. We have a, I mean, we're on a podcast right now. We we're, gotta go there. We're, we're talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I don't wanna be talking for much longer. I, I want my talking to turn Good. into action. Right. Do and it. I yes. think, I think, this is super important that God is talking about the mantle, the responsibility on the circuit riders for the Salvation Army. That's the empowerment God has given us. It's not like empowerment is ethereal now. No. We've had it. Nick's talking about it. Brian's talking about it. These ladies yep. are talking about it. We're going to come to Chloe in a second. God has given us an empowerment, a, a Mordecai mm -hmm. to Esther moment. Now what will our response be? That is the big question yeah. in yeah. this moment from talking to doing. So I, I know you have more thoughts but shall we come to Chloe? Yeah, let's do it. So Chloe's been in, uh, been involved in Europe. Chloe and I are involved in some of the things we're doing in Europe. And and this isn't just something we're talking about from the past. Mm -hmm. These these hallelujah lassies. This is real. This is this is this right is now. This is about the brave love movement that's going on right now. And I I know Chloe has some stories. Yeah. And some things that have happened in Europe. Chloe, yeah. why don't you share? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I could talk for literally hours on this. I, I had a message the other day from a young woman in Europe. And she texted me. She had left the Muslim faith. And she was saying, if I step into public ministry, I may never talk to my sisters wow. again. And I'm wow. wrestling about it tonight. Um, wow. Will you pray for me? Because I'm going to do it. And she was planning this event. And I was just moved to tears. But there's one girl I really want to talk about. Um, and for the sake of identity and just protecting her, we're going to call her Deborah. Um, she's 15 years Let's old. Go, Deborah. She's absolutely Deborah. Um, wait, I, wait. You got to hear that. She's 15 years 15 old. 15 years old. Okay, she's 15. She's 15. She lives in Europe. And we've been in super close contact because she lives in a hard, a rough living situation, rough family situation. So we text almost every day. And this girl blows my mind. Uh, just last week, we were, we were post-mating, and she texts me and goes, well, are you writing <laughs> Jesus loves you on all the packages? <laughs> you know, awesome. you need to be doing this. This girl's an now. evangelist. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I want to share this one story. Uh, a, a few weeks ago, she was sick, and so I, I wrote her a note to, for her teacher to get her out of school. And I think that was 
uh, crime. I'm not sure. But anyway, she texts me this morning and she goes, be looking out. My teacher's going to email you. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get in trouble here for getting her out of school. The teacher sends me an email, guys. And in the email, this teacher says, I was an atheist. Um, and this girl, Deborah, she's one of my students. And she's not the most popular. She's not loud. She's introverted. She's shy. Uh, but she told me, she, she, it was evident that she was a Christian. And so I began to bully her. The wow. teacher is writing me this. I allowed other students to bully her, but nothing changed about Deborah. And uh, she even goes on to say Deborah's parents came in for a parent-teacher conference, and the parents just said, Deborah talks about you so much. She loves you. You are her favorite teacher, the <laughs> wow. teacher that bullies her. So she's showing all this love to this teacher, even though she's being persecuted in this class. She gets up to do a, um, a speech, like a, an assignment for a speech, and she ends up sharing about God's love and how steadfast it is. And at the end of the speech, the teacher writes, she goes, I will never forget the look on all the students' faces hearing about God, some of them for the first time. Wow. And she There's said... There's a really atheistic nation. Yes, yeah. 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 This, this country is the most atheistic, atheistic actually, nation in, the world. in Europe. Yeah. In Europe. So Deborah goes to the teacher, hands her a Bible, says, God loves you. I want to share the gospel with you. Come on. She shares the gospel with the teacher, and a teacher gets saved, and that's what she's writing me an email back. Just, I just want you to know if you're friends with Deborah, this is who she really is. And, and even, I just want to share one more thing about her. Keep Last going. night, uh, Deborah, she sends me this text before she's going to sleep, and she says, Chloe, I want to tell you one thing. If I ever be not faithful to God, if I ever deny his grace, if I don't think that Jesus is on the scene at all times, if I ever live self-centered, uh, if, if Jesus is, is not at the center of my life, please remind me what my call and purpose is. <laughs> wow. And I went to bed like, please remind me what my call and purpose is. You're 15 years old. And, and this girl, I mean, I'll end with this. I'll, I could go on. Uh, last week we were on a uh, FaceTime and she had a high fever. She was really sick. And she goes, Chloe, I gotta go because one of my classmates, I saw on Instagram, he's drunk in the city center and I wanna go preach the gospel to him right now. And I'm like, you have a high fever, are you serious? And she went out and a week later, the, the guy gives his life to the Lord. I mean, yeah. it's just insane. It, it's great. And, and talk, she doesn't really have much community to empower yeah, her. Yeah, no, this girl, there is not a church in her city. She lives in a small city. The nearest church is one hour away. Wow. She does not have a pastor. She does not have anybody. That's why we're texting all the time, um, just looking for more people in her community that love Jesus. But and, she'll probably raise them up herself. Who yeah. knows? And she she feels and, and so she feels empowered by the Holy Spirit and by Jesus. That's the thing. Yeah. And one thing Going I just want to say on this: all of these girls we're talking about, the courage we're talking about. When I look at this girl's life, I know it's because she met Jesus. Mm -hmm. yes. She's only courageous because she's so in love with him. Yes. When you try to live that type of courage out without that love, it's not possible. Yeah. She is so in love Go with there. Jesus. So true, and Chloe. that is why she's able to be that courageous. Yeah. yeah. That's that's so yeah. good. That's 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 crazy, honestly. Wow. I mean, we could talk about more girls. There, there's Iggy, there's KP, there's Blessing, Mary. Yes. There's so there's so many other girls. There's there's so many around Europe we could we could touch on. This is just one. And, and there's so many more in America that so you many. guys could so touch many. on. So that other people in Circuit Riders, that, that are in Circuit Riders, Circuit Riders at mm -hmm. this moment. So uh, I know you wanted to to wrap us up, up here before we finish. I know we're going to have Casey come up here and, and sing in a moment. Got but to. 
But do you have any last, last and final thoughts for us to sum all this up before we finish with the Holly Lassies? Yeah, I got one more thought. I feel like it's important to, to add in here, and then I'll wrap it up. But I think I love what you said, Chloe. You have to have the love of Jesus to do this kind of thing. Absolutely. It's a real encounter with him. And I think what is like, it's so easy to romanticize the past and testimonies. Yes. Mm-hmm. And being the courageous person, at least from the little experiences I have of being courageous, it feels so non-epic like it does listening about what Deborah's doing. Right. It feels so, I mean, the donut lassies are just at the front line going, what are we doing? We're yeah. making donuts in a, in, a, in a helmet and praying for everybody. It's, it, it sounds epic to say. I can't, it, going outside it's right true. now to downtown Huntington Beach and just getting up on the ledge and start preaching and trying to get everyone to come into a venue doesn't feel as epic as it sounds later when it re- really yes. good. Right. Yeah. And I bet you, these are all the, I bet they documented primarily the stories that went really good. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there were plenty that did not go well. I'm sure there's so many where they got up and nobody was at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I know where their stories right. they get yelled at, guys are throwing tomatoes at them. Cats. A dead cat dead is one cats. of the stories. I mean, we have a girl on our team who's gotten tomatoes thrown at her for preaching. Yes. Shout, um, shout out to that woman of God. Yeah, I think it was Abigail. Shout yes. out to Abigail. <laughs> yeah, we love you. And I mean, it isn't always as epic. And I want to ask one more question and we'll wrap it up. But when we started doing events at the very beginning of Circuit Riders, you decided to do, we did this big gathering at USC called Launch Fest, kind of what Launch Carried to Love. And we did another one at UCLA called Drop Off. They were really amazing. But it was very much like these stories were 18, 19, 20 years old, no idea what we're doing. And it was like Pops was our version of William Booth. Mm-hmm. And it was like, God is saying, go, you are empowered, you have permission, and but we have zero experience, not really know what we're doing. We stepped out to go for it, and it was just a ton of gritty hard work, a ton of praying and listening to the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and a ton of just continually getting over ourselves and our own fear issues mm-hmm. for the sake of other people knowing Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was so epic in the end, but the process was like stressful. Yeah. <laughs> the process was sometimes like tons of just getting over fear and anxiety, uh, like building the trust and faith yeah. muscle like crazy. Mm-hmm. And... It was, it was the, but at the same time, it was the most alive I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah. So for you, you went to this just briefly, and then we'll wrap it up here. For you, the first time you stepped out, would you say that that was the same experience for you? Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, I had this, um, God was, I, so I did YWAM right after high school, went and had this amazing missional experience in India, just came back completely, just my world was turned upside down just knew I couldn't go back to just the way my head, my life had been before that. And when I got back to my hometown, I don't know if any of you have been on a mission trip, you've had this experience yes. where you go home and you go, oh my gosh, people are complaining about, you know, the most randomest things. Or <laughs> you're you're just, like, people are complaining yeah. about their coffee being lukewarm and you're, you just come out of like a slum or just where you've seen intense yeah, suffering. Like real suffering. Like real, yeah. like, you know, all kinds of just scenarios that just the system being so broken in, the, in those nations. And so I came home and in my hometown, I, I just began to be gripped by God's heart for like my old high school, my friends that were just kind of still having the same conversations as high school, you know, kind of the same, came old, same old, same old. And I had, my mind had been totally uh, just blown by what God was doing in the nations and the reality of the power of God to like transform and heal and see breakthrough. And so I, I began just to pray and just go, God, is there something I can do to take action on this? And this is this is after I'm having this, you know, God validating me, God's going to move as I step out in courage, praying for that courage to come on me, you know, cause it's, 
it takes a lot of raw courage to do anything for Jesus. And I began to get this vision and God began to speak to me about a practical way I could reach my city. And God told me to literally rent the fairgrounds of my city Epic. and to do like, you? I just turned, well, 22? actually it was, I was 20, 21? 20, yeah. 20 years 20. old. And no experience in event planning, broke, like no, right? yeah, broke, <laughs> um, use a bunch of my college savings to put on the event, you know, like it was totally, there wasn't, if you look at like, you know, was it totally by the book wisdom? It was totally not. It was such a wild journey of faith. But I ended up moving forward, booked this, uh, booked this fairgrounds. God told me to, to get some different bands to come. I have no money, no bands, no connections. It all comes together. And, um, and I ended up sharing the gospel at it because actually Nick was, uh, I invited Nick to come up and share the gospel. Pre-marriage days couldn't, really couldn't fail on this it. one. It's prophetic. But, um, but Nick goes, hey, I think you're supposed to get up and share the gospel. And so Empowerment. There was like about 1,000 people that were there. We got to share the gospel. People responded. And it was so funny, even after, I mean, it, you know, I didn't have a team, didn't have a, f- a lot of finances, <laughs> didn't have any of the kind of the normal things you'd think you'd need to see any impact. kind of breakthrough or impact in a yeah. city. Um, didn't have any churches backing me. You know, just, it was a very, all, you know, honestly intense in different moments, um, you know, working jobs on the side, trying to pull the whole thing together. But I was stunned as I stepped out in obedience, how God opened up doors every step of the way, provided every single thing. And still to this day, when I'm at home, I'll run into people that were like, hey, I was there. And you're, you know, it's funny because I've been in missions. I got saved. I got impacted. I got activated. Totally. And I'm not even necessarily in my hometown, but when I am there, it's like crazy to hear like how God used that, you know, really simple obedience it was not glamorous to see people get impacted. So I think, yeah. I think it's like, you know, what what we're talking about in this this session is like God is calling all women, He's calling every one of us, the Great Commission, to literally step out and take the gospel into society, yes, into our communities, to our high schools, to our colleges, to our communities, um, starting gatherings, preaching, giving messages, using your social media. It's going to require tremendous courage. It's not going to be glamorous. It's not going to be um, maybe not like as polished as we may think you know, leading or yeah. doing something for Jesus may look like. But I think that in my experience, every time God's asked me to step out, it's never been glamorous, but then God's always come through. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah. I think that's our testimony is like, hey, you can take courage. You can step out. God's going to meet you. God's going to mm-hmm. be with you. He's going to provide so many things for you as you step out and that your yeah. courage is needed. Yeah. In this time. That's so, that's, that's so important because, I mean, so many people that are watching this have visions of prisons. Yeah. Of, you know, low-income areas. Their city, their school. Right. Where, wherever it is. And so, so it, like Nick's saying, it's not as glamorous. Like you're saying, it's not as glamorous. It just takes an actual action step and to mm-hmm. remove the talking barrier that we have at times into doing. So good. So I, I'd wrap it up like this. I feel like it's two things. We're, we're having this conversation because there are women watching mm-hmm. and this is your moment. You have permission. You are full of the Holy Spirit as much as any man. It's the same for men and women. And God is calling you into the adventure of the Great Commission Mm -hmm. and into radical steps of obedience that's going to take tons of courage and to be full of the love of Jesus and to do crazy, creative, innovative ideas to reach our world. Yeah. And the second reason why we're having this is we're saying, men, this conversation is for you. Be one of these men who are like Jesus 
and say these things out loud to champion more women yes. in your society because your city will be more reached if women, it's 70% of the church. If, unless, we're not going to reach America unless every woman's activated. Mm -hmm. And yes, every man is activated. We're not talking about men today because men, we talk about men all the time. Mm -hmm. It's a given you're activated. But we have to talk about this so we all know that all of us are activated. So I know we want to, we actually want to pray yeah. in a minute and actually like kind of do a commissioning moment as we kind of end this conversation around the empowerment of women. But we got a little special treat today. Yeah. We got a little classic so, tradition that yeah, we started. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get out of the way. I'll let you yeah, introduce yeah. it. Yeah. Casey, who you guys know, she was here last week. I asked her, like Brian did last week, to, to is there any songs on courage that the Salvation Army? Hi, Casey. Hey, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> Are there any songs that the that the Salvation Army wrote on courage and, and fearlessness? And I, and I know you had some. So, 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 what, what, what did you find, Casey? Okay, so I found two epic songs that I actually think point directly to that story of Deborah, um, is what we're calling her, right? Deborah in Europe. And um, the first one that I want to talk about is actually called Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. And wow. I think that's exactly <laughs> what she did in yeah. her life. You know, this is real deal. This is modern day right now. People rising up in the courage and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, both men and women. And so the words of this song, they say, Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the trumpet call obey. Forth to the mighty conflict in this his glorious day. Ye that are brave now serve him against unnumbered foes. Let courage rise with danger and strength to strength oppose. Wow. Let courage rise <laughs> with danger. Are we wow. not in a day where there's this like seemingly danger everywhere and it's rising and all this stuff? You know, let courage rise with danger. I think that's exactly what wow. Deborah did, that's which so is, I'm moved. I was like yeah. Yeah. so burning when you were telling that story. Um, I, I think actually on that note, it's actually important to say when you have these courageous moments, it's not as if everything's going, like Nick said earlier, it's not just everything's going to go well all this right. every single no time. There, there isn't a glamour to this. There's a raw grit because we love Jesus. It's so good, Casey. What's, what's the next one? Yeah, the next one, um, it's called I'll Gird on the Armor, but some people call it I Have Read of Men of Faith. And so the first verse, like it says, um, it's all about the martyrs. So really the person who wrote this song read the Bible and said, these people died for Jesus. I can do the same thing. And wow. so they wrote this song Incredible. and I'll sing a little bit of, of it, but I'll just read the lines first. Um, it says, I'll gird on the armor and rush to the field, determined to conquer and never to yield. So the enemy shall know where, wheresoever I may go that I am fighting for Jehovah. That's so <laughs> it's good. So intense. Powerful. So, so intense. Um, yeah, I even just feel to read it one more time before I sing it just because good. these words, they gripped my heart. It's, it's, yeah, so intense. I'll gird on the armor and rush to the field, determined to conquer and never to yield. So the enemy shall know wheresoever I may go that I am fighting for Jehovah, Whoa. which I just think that's the statement that Deborah made over there. Yeah. I'm just like, man, I'm so challenged by her faith. Um, so the melody of this song is actually so jolly. Now imagine these are women singing these songs. These are men singing these songs. And this is what they chose to sing in their gathering. Um, it goes... I'll gird on the armor and rush to the field, determined to conquer and never to yield. So the enemy shall know wheresoever I may go that I am fighting for Jehovah. It's like, wow. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so chipper, you know, but it's yeah. like so intense. Um, so can yeah. You, can, you, can you actually sing that one more time? And then, and then I know you want to wanna pray as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'll gird on the armor and rush to the field, determined to conquer and never to 
shield so the enemy shall know wheresoever I may go that I am fighting for Jehovah. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Fighting for Jehovah. It's so epic. Wow. So yeah, as Derek said, I just would love to pray um, just a commissioning prayer and even just... Um, even ask for the baptism of boldness of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, we just thank you for this conversation that we've all gotten to be a part of, Lord. Lord. We thank you that we are in a day, God, that women are rising like never before, and men are rising to champion women. They're verbally championing women, Lord. So we just thank you for this hour that we live in. And right now, I ask in the name of Jesus for the Holy Spirit to baptize every woman listening with boldness and courage. Every man listening with boldness and courage. Be empowered in the name of Jesus. And we just command every excuse, every lie, of the enemy, everything that might be trying to hinder you to fall right now in the name mm-hmm. of Jesus. This is a day that we've entered like never before. So Jesus, we just say yes. We are so willing to go, God. We are willing to stand up for Jesus. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 That's so good. <laughs> wow. I, I don't know what our format's going to look like next week, guys, but we've wrapped up with the Hallelujah Lassies. We could probably go for another few weeks. I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. tons of stories like these. Uh, But anyways, we love you guys. Thank you for joining. See our Sunday service. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Circuit Rider podcast. For our full library of podcasts and more information about the Circuit Riders, visit us at crmovement.com. To get involved with the day-to-day of what we do or to see what's happening across the nation, follow us at CR Movement on Instagram. We'll see you on the road.